0: We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. The legalization of abortion has met the tragic death of millions of babies over the years. March for Life is a peaceful protest of this atrocity and a way to proclaim the inherent value of every human life. At the Evangelicals for Life conference, Jeannie Mancini, herself a Catholic, shared about the importance of an evangelical presence at this march and in this movement. We hope this episode educates and equips you to keep on marching for life. I truly mean this from my heart as a very proud Catholic. We have just been longing for the day when there would be something like an Evangelicals for Life conference. And we can't do this alone. We all have to work together. So from the depth of my heart, I'm profoundly grateful to ERLC to focus on the family and to all of you for being here and for making life a priority. So thank you. Thank you. Let me ask this. How many of you out there are coming to the March for Life today for your first time? Awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is so exciting. Yesterday, we we also hosted a March for Life conference in the morning yesterday, specific to our theme, and asked that same question. And almost everybody in the audience raised their hand yesterday, too, which says something to me. Something's going on in our culture. Perhaps it has something to do with the Planned Parenthood videos that came out this summer. Perhaps God is just moving us in unique ways, but new people are coming to the March for Life, and we're growing and growing and growing, even in extreme blizzard-like conditions (laughs) like this year. So, welcome. I thought it might be interesting, especially for new newcomers, to hear a little bit about the historic event that in an hour you're going to be participating in. So, in 1974... The first March for Life began 1973, January 22nd, Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton were decided by the Supreme Court. Decisions of judicial activism outside of the parameters of what the court normally does, but they found what they called a so-called right to abortion within the constitution, which many legal scholars will still talk about as, as being you know, shady in, in terms of a good understanding of the constitution. The following year, a group of people gathered in a Capitol Hill townhouse because they didn't want that anniversary to go unnoticed because they weren't comfortable with the idea of abortion. They knew that abortion was a human rights abuse and they they just knew it was wrong, that we're all created in God's image and they knew that it was wrong. So that first January 22nd, 1974, a couple thousand people gathered at the Capitol, mainly adults. I heard it was a bright sunny day, 70 degrees little different than today. And they marched for life. And the truth of the matter is, they thought that things would get corrected and that they wouldn't have to do it the following year. But in 1975, they came back and they marched for life again. And around now, the other side, abortion proponents were saying, they're going to get comfortable with this. They're going to get desensitized to abortion. No. Every single year, the march has grown. And every single year it's become kind of a younger and younger demographic. Wait till you get out there and see for yourself. Even today, when we'll be small but mighty, you'll see how many amazing and enthusiastic young people will be advocating for life. So the truth of the matter is, we've never gotten comfortable with abortion. And the March for Life has grown to become the largest annual peaceful protest of a human rights abuse anywhere. In the entire world with literally tens of thousands of participants but in a lot of ways to be honest we've missed the evangelical voice and so it's such a delight that you all are joining us and I know some of you have been here before but I'm just so profoundly grateful because we know that God is the author of life that God has a plan for every life a plan and a mission And that everyone deserves to be brought to term and deserves to live their life to the full. And so thank you for being here. Uh, My name is Jeannie Mancini. I know I was introduced. I started working for the March for Life in 2012. Until that time, it was run by a woman. Her name was Nellie Gray. And Nellie died at the age of 88 in August of 2012, and she literally dedicated her entire life to the March for Life. In her mid-40s, she retired from a government career, she was an attorney, and she just started volunteering full-time for the March for Life. And it's really in large part because of Nellie's work that we're still able to stand here. And yet, even more, it's really God's work that we're able to stand here because Nellie was one woman, she never had a staff and she was able to pull this march together every single year. She never married and her last recorded conversation that, that a friend had with her was about the March for Life. She literally like gave, breathed, slept the March for Life. And as I mentioned, died in her later eighties. And so in 2012, I was asked to head up the March for Life and I, I was, you know astounded by that and surprised but i sensed that it was god's call for my life at at that time and was happy to take it over and so one of our main priorities immediately was to do outreach to non-catholics i'm a proud catholic but to non-catholics to come to the march for life and to work with our evangelical leaders and brothers and sisters to to have you all here and to have your voice more powerful so we're so excited Now, why is it that we continue to march every single year? A lot of people say Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton are on the books. Why Why would you continue to march? Well, we're making a lot of progress in the pro-life community. We're making progress in terms of state legislation in particular, but we're also making progress with public opinion polls. The truth of the matter is that most Americans don't fall squarely in a pro-life camp or a pro-choice camp but they're kind of somewhere in between and what's required of all of us after the March for Life is to go home and have really good conversations with people because the truth of the matter is that once people engage you on this issue and that you talk about the life issue with them they often come to see the truth about this it's you know it's like the Bible passage bring it into the light in other words Abortion is intrinsically a negative thing. And the more that we can talk about the beauty of life and bring the truth of abortion into the light, the more people become pro-life. Our job is not to ever twist anyone's arms behind their back to agree with us on this issue, but it's just to show reality for what it is and to learn as much material as you can to be able to have good dialogues. So the march for life is very motivating, you'll see, because you're not alone. You're united with tens of thousands of other people who feel this way, but it's not enough. You have to go home and you have to keep marching. Now, how, how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna build a culture of life? Well, I can't answer. All I can do is answer that for me in my life, but I know that every single one of you here loves God and I know that God has a plan for every single one of your lives and part of that has to do with building a culture of life so my request to each of you is that over the course of the next few days some of you might be snowed in and have a little extra time on your hands (laughs) that you pray pray the prayer Lord how is it that I'm called to serve this community what are you asking of me maybe it's to pray in front of a pregnancy center Maybe it's to support financially some of these good pro-life organizations. Maybe it's to be a pro-life attorney. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but what I do know is that there's something. And it might be prayer. And prayers. this is a spiritual battle, and that is the most effective apostolate is prayer. So my prayer is that each of you will ask that of God. And I'm sure many of you already have, but ask again. Look deep in your hearts because It's only when we all respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to what he's calling us to do that we are going to build a culture of life. And we are going to build a culture of life because people like you are here and you're going to respond to God's call. And we know the story of David and Goliath. And that's our story. That is our story. So thank you. Um, Every one of you has a story for why you're here today. Every one of you has a story for why you're pro-life. So get past the digitalness of digital media and tell the personal stories. And then the whole world will know why we march for life. And that could be very converting of our hearts, very powerful. So thank you. Thank all of you for being here. I'm, I'm so very, very grateful. God bless you. And I'll see you in about an hour as we're marching for life together. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the ERLC podcast. You can find more episodes and subscribe at ERLC.com. If you're interested in learning more about this topic and others like it, check out our upcoming pre-conference called Relentless at the Gospel Coalition's National Conference. Visit ERLC.com backslash events for more information.